Good morning. Welcome once again to Calvary Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Ron Hudson, lead pastor here, and it is a new year and a new series. And since it's the new year, it's a time bursting with new possibility, right? We all feel like I can do something different. I can actually change. There's something about the beginning of January that makes you feel like you can change things in your life that you weren't able to change in December or November or October, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, it feels like it's just bursting with new possibility, and I have that in my life, and I think that's good, and I think it's important for us to recognize that, seize that, and do something about it, and use it. Use that excitement when a motivation comes, when excitement comes, we should latch onto it and do something about it. So let's do something about it. And we think this year will be different. And I want you to feel that. I want you to, to have that good feeling about this year will be different. Maybe you're thinking about working out. Maybe you're thinking about a diet. Maybe th you're thinking about getting in shape. Maybe you're thinking about your finances and really doing budget, you know? Like we're going to do the budget this year. Maybe you want to work on your relationships, build a better marriage, build better friendships. And all these things are interconnected with your heart. All of these things are interconnected with your heart. So this year, I want to encourage us as a community to refocus on renovating our hearts. Renovating our hearts. Not long ago, we painted Oasis. Pastor Joe painted Oasis. I don't know if you saw the Facebook video with time lapse my son took. And uh, Oasis looks great. We're probably going to be repainting the auditorium at some point. It's that time. It's um, 16 years and kind of ready. So... It's that kind of idea, a fresh coat of paint, a new thing. And we need to do the same with our hearts. If you, if you just let something go and don't attend to it, it gets dirty. No matter how good it looked when you built it, it gets old, it starts to deteriorate and gets dirty. So we need to renovate our hearts. And being a disciple of Jesus means being a renovator. Being a disciple of Jesus means being a renovator. That is what God is about. He's about mending, about fixing what is broken, about new creatures, new life. And we have the ministry of reconciliation as disciples of Jesus. And so being a disciple means being a renovator, a renovator, someone who renovates. And some of you guys who, who build stuff, you know how this works. You know, you go into a place and you see it, it's all dilapidated and torn out. And you tear it out and you put the new thing in and it just feels so good and so fresh. And it isn't enough to know the right answers about God. It's not enough to just know the right answers, to be able to pass the knowledge test about who Jesus is and what he did and who God is, you know, and I could check those boxes. That's not enough to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means being a renovator. And renovating the heart means bringing these things, what is before your mind, and how you think about what is before your mind, into alignment with what God wants. What is before your mind, what you do, what you feel, and bringing these things into the kingdom of God under God's will so that Christ will be perfectly comfortable living in your body and in your life. And that sounds really great, right? Don't you just wish that was actually possible? I mean, let's be honest. Some of you think that sounds great, but you've not been able to do it and so in the back of your mind, you think, it's not really possible. At least not now. Maybe when I get to heaven, 
then I can actually have a good mind, a good body, good heart. But right now, I mean, we're a church where broken people find hope. The prerequisite for coming to Calvary is that you recognize, I don't have it all figured out. Like, if you don't have that, then you're probably not going to fit in here, right? That's just kind of who we are. We're like, I don't have it all figured out. I've got some places that are a mess, and I want to work on it. That's a prerequisite for coming to Calvary Baptist Church. That's who we are. We're a church where broken people find hope in Christ. So, there can be this tendency and this temptation to think, nobody's perfect. We're never going to be all the way there. So, what? You know, can I really work on it? How good can I get? Someday when I get to heaven, then I'll be, I'll be good. But until then, you know, I'm going to have flaws. And that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I'm going to be messy and I'm going to have flaws. So getting to a place where my thoughts, my feelings, and actions are, are in alignment with what Jesus would think and feel and act if he lived in my body, is that really possible? Is it? Maybe for an hour on Sunday morning when you're inside this building and we sing the nice music and you feel like all churchy. What about the rest of the week? Is it possible, is it really possible for you to live like Christ all week long? Like as, as more, as more than 50% of your life, more than 60 or 70, is that really possible? To live in a Christ-like life here and now. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Peter is a servant and an apostle. An apostle is someone who spent real time with Jesus, face-to-face time with Jesus, and was discipled by Jesus directly. That's what an apostle is. And there were 12 apostles. I would include Paul in that because he had that vision on the road to Damascus and spent time with Christ. And people who physically saw Jesus, that's what the apostles were. So this was probably written towards the end of Peter's life, a lot of scholars think, which means he's been walking with Jesus for a long time. He'd been really trying this stuff out. This isn't the Peter who denied Christ. This isn't the Peter who freaked out when he tried to walk on water. This isn't the Peter who who wouldn't sit with Gentiles when his Jewish buddies came around. This is a Peter who is mature in Christ. He's grown. He's seen some stuff. And he's about to die. Tradition says that he he was killed. He was crucified upside down for his belief because he, he thought it would be disrespectful to be crucified like Christ. He said, put me upside down. That's what the faith tradition says. So this is right before his death, most likely. And he's he's writing, this is what I have learned about walking with Jesus. Who is he writing to? He's writing to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's writing to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, with the apostles. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's writing to us who have believed in Christ and want to follow him as his disciples. You and me. And to the other churches. 
And his greeting, look at his greeting. Grace and peace be to you, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What is grace? Grace is a playground for learning. That is what grace is. Grace is a playground for learning. Grace is a playground for learning and experimenting. When I was a kid, my favorite show on TV was Mr. Wizard. Does anybody remember Mr. Wizard? Okay, we got one, two. Any other nerds? Come on, out yourselves. Yes, I loved Mr. Wizard. It was my favorite show. I would get up early in the morning before school, before I had to go and learn all day long. I would get up early in the morning and watch this surly-ish type gentlemen, <laughs> teach kids about science. And I loved it. I just loved the science. And he would do the things and teach the things. And it was so cool. Mr. Wizard taught everything. And you could see and you could touch them. They were experiments. They were real life stuff that he was doing and setting things on fire and calculating things and Bunsen burners and beakers. And Mr. Wizard guided kids to discover for themselves through experimentation the principles that he was trying to teach. He didn't just say, this is how it is, and this is what you're supposed to do. Now, put that answer down on the paper in the test. He said, try it out. Try and see. Well, what, what will happen if we do this? I don't know. Try and see. And he was there as a guide to help them try and see. It was so cool. I love this show. I'd get up before, like really early, before school, before my family was up, before breakfast, and I would watch Mr. Wizard. I love learning but I didn't like school. And I, I remember thinking, why? Why is Mr. Wizard so cool, but school is just not Mr. Wizard? Like, I'd get to school and it was nothing like Mr. Wizard. I'm like, why are we not doing stuff at school? All I do is sit at school and like listen and then fill in blanks. And I, I didn't like it at all. School was about teaching compliance, jamming information into our heads and then producing it on command on a test. And there was no requirements to actually demonstrate any kind of understanding or proficiency. You didn't have to really understand it. You just had to write the correct answer on the paper. You just had to be able to say the right answer at the right time. And this is a pretty terrible way to learn. And God doesn't teach us like school. God teaches us like Mr. Wizard. And that's what grace is. Grace is God's workshop for us to come into and we hear something that Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Well, how the heck is that supposed to work? And Jesus says, I don't know, try it. Let's see what happens. Well, I'm supposed to give, expecting nothing in return. What I get taken advantage of? I, let's try it. Let's see. I'm supposed to pray without seeing. How would that work? I don't know. Let's try it. Let's try some stuff. And let's discover how this works. And he is right there with us to lead and guide. God teaches us like Mr. Wizard. You have a question and God will often say, why don't we just try and see? And God's classroom is called grace. Sometimes a kid would mess things up on Mr. Wizard and it wouldn't work. And that's okay. That's part of learning. But it's not okay if the kid were to just come in and knock over the Bunsen burner and set the table on fire every week. You know, just because that's fun. If the kid intentionally messes it up just because he doesn't feel like doing what Mr. Wizard wants, well, that would, that would kind of destroy the whole thing. And grace isn't so you can go on sinning and doing whatever you want. 
That's not like why God gives us all this space and grace. Grace is so you can experiment and figure out how to live your life like Jesus would live your life. And in 2 Peter 1, Peter sets up the grace classroom. And then, having set up the grace classroom, he goes on, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according to his divine power, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto, called us to glory and virtue. Whose divine power? Jesus, right? It says in verse 2, it's Jesus' divine power. And what has this divine power given us? What has God's power given us? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Another way of saying that is all the things you need to have life and live godly. God's supernatural power available to you to have life like Jesus has life, to live life like Jesus, and to live godly. You know what made me sad as a kid? That I didn't have a workshop like Mr. Wizard. I didn't have an old man who would teach me this stuff, who had like unlimited science supplies and unlimited patience. <laughs> I know that's weird, right? <laughs> but I really wanted Mr. Wizard to be my neighborhood, to be my neighbor. I didn't have a space where I could do these experiments. I didn't have the money or the tools. I didn't have any of that. And it was sort of a cruelty to have a kid who loves science so much and not give me the resources to learn it. And God is not cruel. God is not cruel like that. In 2 Peter 1.3, God through Jesus has used his supernatural power to give us everything we need to learn how life and godliness works. Everything you need to experiment and figure out how life and godliness works, God is supernaturally gifted and granted to you. He said, it's available to you. My workshop is open. I'll hang out with you. We'll learn it together. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is what Jesus offers, to teach us how to have life in the kingdom of God abundantly. And Jesus doesn't offer to teach us how to be a better Republican, how to be a better Democrat. Does it teach us, offer to teach us how to be a better capitalist or socialist, how to be a better entrepreneur? That's not what he's offering at all. He's offering how to teach us how to use God's power and his grace to live a life of godliness. That's what he's offering. That's what's on the table. He's not offering to teach us how to have the American dream. That's not it. He's not offering to teach you like three ways to get what you want in your relationships. He's not. It's not what's available to us. That's not what his workshop is for. He's interested in changing your desires. Not giving you your desires, but changing your desires. And this year in 2020, I want to ask, do you want your desires to change? Because this is what Jesus is all about. Helping you change your desires. From what you want right now to what God wants. That's what Jesus is offering. A grace-filled workshop to learn and explore how to convert your desires from what you got right now 
to start wanting the things and desiring the things that Jesus wants and that Jesus has. That's what's on the table. Or you just want God to change your circumstances to fulfill the desires you already have. Do you just want God to change your circumstances? Imagine you're a kid, and by some crazy, lucky chance, you live next to Mr. Wizard. This is the coolest thing ever, right, Jed? <laughs> just like, <laughs> you live next to Mr. Wizard. And every Tuesday, you get to go to Mr. Wizard's house, and he's going to do these experiments. He's going to teach you this stuff. It's pretty amazing. You locked out. And so one Tuesday after school, time to go to Mr. Wizard's house. And your friend Timmy comes by and says, hey, hey, Kim, guess what? Me and the guys, we're all going to get our bikes. And we're going to ride down to the old house at the end of the road and throw rocks at the windows. You want to come? We're going to throw rocks. It's going to be awesome. And, and of course, Kim says, well, I'm supposed to go to Mr. Wizard's house. And my bike is broke. I can't. I can't. I got to go to Mr. Wizard's house. I want to hang out with those guys. And so Timmy goes running off. I go running off. And I'm going, we're going to have fun. We're going to throw rocks. It's going to be amazing. Ha ha. Go hang with your old man, friend. So Cam starts thinking to himself, man, I want to throw rocks with the other guys. It would be so cool. It wouldn't be, for the record. Why would you think that? All right, so Cam thinks that I'm just messing with him. This is fun. So Cam's like, I want to go through rocks. What can I do? My bike's broke. I can't get down there. And then he remembers, I know Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard can fix anything. So you roll your bike over to Mr. Wizard's house. You get there with your broken bike, and you knock on the door. And Mr. Wizard comes to the door, and he's like, well, hello there, Kim. I'm excited to do some science with you, right? Because that's how Mr. Wizard talked. Actually, he was kind of like a surly old man. All right, Kim, you ready to do science? You know? But anyways, you come in, and he's like excited to do science. I've got this experiment all set up and ready to go. And Cam says, well, actually, I was thinking we could fix my bike. And Mr. Wizard says, that's a great idea, Cam. You can learn so much about science and kinetic energy with bike repair. Why don't you roll it into the garage? I'll look at it this week. I'll get the parts we need. And next Tuesday, we can work on your bike and learn how to fix it together. And Cam says, well, actually, I was hoping we could fix it now. Well, why? Because I want to go with my friends. Well, what do you need to go do with your friends? Well, they're going down to the house. Are they throwing rocks again? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't, I just want you to fix my bike so I can go play. I just want you to fix it because I got something I need to do. With all due respect, Mr. Wizard, it's none of your business what I want to do. I just want you to fix it so I can do what I want to do instead of hang out with you. And we would all think that little boy, and Cam would never do that. It was just, just an illustration there. We would all think that kid's a little punk. Right? But we're all that little kid sometime, aren't we? But God, I know you got all this stuff and this kingdom of God and that's cool and godliness and holiness, but I really just want you to fix this thing in my life so I can go do what I want to do. 
And God's grace is available to us and God has this, this whole workshop to teach us and train us and grow us and experiment and learn. And there's a learning process that He wants to bring us through. And we just want the fix so that we can move on. In 2 Peter, verses 3 and 4, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. He's given us these amazing resources and tools that by these, ye, that's you, that's me, we might be partakers. That means we get to participate of the divine nature. Participate in the divine nature of God to become like God. To have attitude like God. Desires like God. Virtue, character like God. And he wants to teach us this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and I think a better translation is the word desire, because lust, we think just sexual desire, but it's, it's more than that. It's all desire. Jesus has called us to glory and virtue, not to do whatever we want, but to transform our desire, to desire what Jesus knows is good. And he's promised many things to us, so we can take into our minds and hearts and bodies the nature of God, His character, His holiness. So we can escape the insane, destructive pace of the world that we live in. Peter says, I'm giving you grace and peace. And those things aren't for sale right now. You'd be hard-pressed to find grace on Twitter or Facebook. You'd be hard-pressed to find peace in the marketplace. We'll sell you a vacation, but true peace, a pace of life that's consistently peace-filled, that doesn't make me feel anxious because I'm behind in some way. So we can escape the insane, destructive pace of our modern lives that are built on me, 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 what I want, what I can get. The belief that we just need more. I just need more money. I just need more stuff. I just need more respect. I just need another promotion or more prestige. If you just had more, then you would be fulfilled. And it's just not true. It's just not true. Being a disciple means being a renovator of your heart. So do you want to do that? Do you really want your desires to change? Do you want God to change what you desire, what you want? I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, I would say sometimes. Sometimes. Right? I mean, probably right now you're like, yeah. But earlier this morning, I was like, oh, maybe later today. Do you really want God to change your desires? Sometimes I really want godliness to totally rule my life. Sometimes I completely forget how much I love God and I learned from God and I love learning from God and I just start to want more stuff. And I want to invite you to be honest. Because that's where it starts. When we, when we honestly say, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, then we can start to work from there. But if we're like, 
yes, 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 and I'm just going to ignore that feeling that I don't <laughs> because that, that image of that little kid, like, I don't want to be that, so I'm going to pretend like I'm not that and just like, I'm never that when you really are. When I really am sometimes. When we acknowledge it, then we can start to learn and grow because the reality is my heart can't be trusted and your heart can't be trusted. Right? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And if you're like me, sometimes I really want the things of God and sometimes I just want stuff from Amazon. Right? Sometimes I really want to treat my wife right and my kids right. Sometimes I just want to yell at them so they'll go away. Sometimes I want to do good. Sometimes I just want to cheat. Find the easy way out. That means my heart can't be trusted. I can't trust my heart to know what's good for me and always encourage me to do the good thing. Because sometimes my heart's going to want some, some bad stuff, some dangerous stuff, some unhealthy stuff. Sometimes my heart's going to lead me to chase after and be that kid with the bike who just wants to use God so he can go play and do the fun thing rather the destructive thing. Sometimes my heart is just not in a good place. I can't really trust my heart to tell me what's actually good for me because many times my heart has told me things that are not good for me. Sometimes my heart will totally stab me in the back for some short-term fun. And if you're like me, and you probably are, your heart will probably do the same thing. You'll just like to have fun and then the next day you're left dealing with what your heart did last night or the night before oh why did I do that why did I listen to you I knew better what if we decide together as a church family that this year we stop listening to our hearts I know that goes completely against the grain in culture culture says Oprah tells you right and I love Oprah She's so cool. But a lot of times it'll say, hey, just listen to your heart, whatever your heart wants. If you listen to that, then you can find happiness. It's just not true. What if this year we decide we're going to stop trusting our hearts and instead turn to God in his workshop? Say, God, teach me. My desires sometimes are good, sometimes they're not. And I'm going to enter your workshop consistently. I'm going to make myself available to you to teach me. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to fail. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to try different things and different spiritual disciplines to learn how to conform my desires to let you, in partnership with you, because it was a partnership with Mr. Wizard, right? In partnership with you to change what I want. And God will do that. His supernatural power is available to trust God, to teach us what the good life is really all about. And that's what I'm doing this year. That is what I'm doing this year. I'm going to lead even more into experimenting with God to learn how to walk more consistently in the kingdom of God than I did last year. And I want you to decide to do this with me. To really choose to say, God, some of my desires are way out of whack. And I want you to change them. And I'm going to experiment 
and learn how to use the spiritual disciplines that church, the church body has been using for hundreds of years that Jesus taught to conform my desires to be more like you. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to learn. I want you to decide to do this with me, to really think about it. Do you want God to change your desires? Are you willing to join me in that process? Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that this week as a body, and we'll wrestle with this, I've made my decision. I'm going to experiment with you. I'm going to show up in your workshop on a daily basis. I'm going to let you work on me. It's what I want. It's what I want to want. And I pray that each person here this morning would search their heart, would be honest that, man, their heart has just not been trustworthy this last year, and that we need to change it. God, I pray we would surrender to be your disciple, to learn from you, to allow you to teach us in your grace classroom how to do this stuff, how to walk with you, how to change how we talk, how we walk, how we treat each other, how we think about forgiveness, how we think about sexuality and, and all these things that we are faced with, money and life and work, and that you would change our desires so that we desire the things of God rather than the things that everybody else says we should want. God, work with us this year. And I pray this week that each person here will, and each person listening online will wrestle with this and say, do I really want it? And if they do, I pray they would surrender their heart because it can't be trusted to you. In Jesus' name, amen.